0: this morning just wondering who would show up, <laughs> and you are, must be the early birds. Are you the ones that, like, you You wait to come to 9 o'clock service because it's way too late for you? Is that, <laughs> yeah, some of you. Glad you're here. I'm sure a second service will be a little bit more full, <laughs> but uh well, there's a, a couple of things I uh, just wanted to address this morning. I, um, has anybody heard of like um, the coronavirus? Has anybody <laughs> heard about that? Um, yeah, I went to Costco yesterday, and there were no, there was, there wasn't any toilet paper or or paper towels. All the paper is gone, and we've been contemplating. What is it about the coronavirus that makes people think they have to have more toilet paper? I haven't heard anything about um, stomach problems that cause people to, but I know, I know the panic issues that come up in people and the fear, and that's one thing as Christians we don't want to give into. We really don't want to give into. Any element of fear. I mean, not that we we shouldn't be aware and and uh, and take precautions because that's 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 really reasonable to do. Um, doing you know taking precautions is not a uh, an absence of faith. Um, we all do that in our everyday lives, right? Um, that's why we don't run red lights or cross over to the other side and go the when we're driving we. There's a certain level of precautions we take that have nothing to do with faith. But um, we are taking some things, and we just want people to be aware, um, simply because there is, I think there's a panic element that just kind of is contagious. That's more contagious than than the virus. And and so we want to be aware of that. We also wanna be aware of the fact that there are people who feel like they're more vulnerable, compromised, um, and the potential of that. So we don't, we're, we're making a, a couple of small adjustments just for the season. Um, some of the things we've already done and we do all the time. For instance, our, our children's workers in our nursery and school and preschool and children's, they, um, they disinfect stuff before service and in between service. Um, it's already it's already going on, and uh, and we've had we've had our disinfectant um, hand stations all near the the entrances. We've had that for years, just in case anybody thinks they just need to make sure that they do that. And so we wrote something, give you a little bit of information. What we don't want is if someone you know when we greet one another, we're just. From now on, at least until this season, we're a hugging church. You know, that's who we are. We, we, we hug and shake hands, and that's just our nature, right? Um, but what we, wanted, we don't want is if somebody feels awkward about that or concerned about that, that they then, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of like what's wrong with you or the other way around, you know? So um, we're just not going to even mention hugging and shaking hands and, and all of that. And if you feel uncomfortable doing that, um, you can just, you know, say hi. And uh, I, I guess there's, there's a, a new handshake that is out there. And <laughs> <coughs> this is how you do it. <coughs> but that that's kind of uh, where we're going with this, and... Uh, and we hope this, and we're believing and praying that this will pass over, you know. And there's, there's, uh, but we're not, we're gonna, not gonna live under its authority or fear. And we're gonna continue gathering together and worshiping and glorifying God. And uh, anyhow, the other thing I wanna make mention is out. In the uh, the hallway, the lobby area, is um, a, a table that um, has come from Life Pacific College and uh, our university. I'm used to calling it Life Bible College, but that was my day. Um, Life Pacific University, and um, there's information there about um, about not only the, the school, but their online classes. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting because some of you have started in school and you didn't finish and you always wanted to kind of go back. Maybe kids came along and everything kind of got you um, where you weren't able to finish but you would like to. They have an online courses now where you can get your bachelor's degree or you can get your AA degree. And, uh, and all the information is there at, at the table And you might want to just check it out and see if there's anything because, you know, some of you, there's no way you're going to go back to school and be able to do that on an ongoing basis. But you can do it online and you can, you know, make it happen that way. So if you'd like, um, that information is there for you, okay? Um, I want to get into our message. We've been talking about power and what the scripture, how the scripture you know defines it, and the elements of, of of power that is given to us as followers of christ and yes, last week we talked about the power of words and uh and we we could do that we could do that for the next seven weeks there's so much in the Bible about that, but I wanted to at least do a two part on this and last last week, we talked about how um, the importance of lining our words with God's words, lighting our faith with God's word. And how that, when we do that, when we align ourselves with God's word and we speak it, well, there's power in proclaiming what God has already said. And that, that, that proclamation in faith is just aligning ourselves with the will of God and calling to alignment God's will in the situation. See, your life will move in alignment with your words. And if if you're speaking negative, you can't expect to have a positive life. If you're always speaking negatively, if you're always speaking doubt, if you're always speaking unbelief, you're you're not going to be a person full of faith. So we we want to bring our words into alignment with God's words. And, uh, and so today we're, we're going to continue in that vein and take a look at a, uh, a person who did that at least in an element of their life that became, well, not only life-changing but world-changing. So we're just kind of calling it words that match the word. Can we do that? And uh, our expectation communication is w- what we're looking at. And so, uh, in Genesis chapter 12, and um, you, don't have to, you, you don't have to turn that. Let me give you just kind of a s- summation of the Abrahamic covenant. God spoke to Abraham, and you remember He said to Abram, actually not Abraham, Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And then He made this this promise to him, the sevenfold promise, and he, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to bless you, I'll make your name great, you shall be a blessing, I will bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He says, this, this is a promise he gave to Abram. And the Bible says that Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot with him, and Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. So, at seventy-five years old, he believes God in this, and he leaves his home, he leaves everything he has, takes his family, and heads off to a land that he didn't even know where he's going. He says, "God says, I'll show you." And we're, and and of course, where he get goes is uh, eventually to the land that we call Israel today, and so. He went out. Abraham went out. Now a time period passes, and we won't go through the entire story of Abraham in that time period. There's a lot of things that take place in that time period. But Abraham, 24 years later, God speaks again. Now there were some times in between there where God spoke. But on this subject, he hadn't spoken to God it had been a 13-year dry spell, if you would, that God hadn't really spoke to him about the subject that God had made a promise to him about. There had been a time when God um, did uh, made a covenant with Abraham and, and, uh, and reaffirmed it, but that was 13 years earlier. And now God converses with Abram again. And the scripture says... In uh, Genesis 17, if you want to follow along here, it'll be on the overhead, but you can follow along in your Bible, that would be great. In Genesis 17, verse 1, it says, now Abram was 90 years old, 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. So God reveals himself in this context as God who can do anything. He's the almighty God, the all-powerful one. And he says to him, I want you to walk before me. The the word blameless is also the word for wholeness. I want you to walk with me in maturity, in wholeness, in purity. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And it says, and Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father, and he says this, and this is kind of new to the the context of what God had said to him before, a father of many nations. Now, understand that God had made a promise that he was going to have a son through Sarah. And, of course, Abraham... Um, our and Sarah Sarah encouraged Abraham to that that she was been barren and she had been barren all these years she, they, in her mind and in abraham 's at this point they weren 't confident that they were going to have a child between them and so Abraham took the handmaiden that she had that Sarah had given to him, and he and he had an Ishmael okay he had a child that um, that was not the child of promise. So he's been waiting, God has spoken and said that I'm gonna bring a child between you and Sarah and that child is gonna be the child of promise and that child hasn't come. And now it's, he, he made that promise 24 years earlier and now he's saying it again and he's 99. Now it was it was. When he was 75, that was, the, that was a stretch, right? You're going to have a child. That was a stretch at 75. Now, he's 99. And ha- have you ever noticed that God sometimes, when he, he'll make a promise, and he's going to do a miracle, and he makes it so it's outlandish, so you know... It couldn't possibly happen by natural means. It only has to happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. It it has to be God. Because it's not gonna happen in the natural. You can, you know, and sometimes God takes you to the place in your life where you recognize that all you have is God. There, there's nothing else. And Abraham's at that place now. No one is going to believe it was just some kind of natural way. When you're ninety nine years old you're not going to have any kids. I don't know if anybody's you know in that age group, but I don't want to disappoint you, but <laughs> kids aren't coming, right? doesn't happen and and so Abraham's at that place where he has to well, this is ridiculous it it's a ridiculous promise. sometimes God gives us. In our minds, not according to God, but in our minds, ridiculous promises. He loves to do that. I don't know if you've noticed. He loves to make sure that you know and others know that he's the one who did it when he does that. And that's what's going on here. Some of you are discouraged because you think it's getting past the time for the miracle that you've been praying for to happen. Really? That's not the pattern you see in Scripture. Oftentimes the pattern of Scripture is once you've come to the place that you would think in the natural, it's impossible, it's not going to happen. That's the very time that God does that thing that glorifies him and honors his name. And so here is, here's Abram, and, uh, and God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And then he does something to, to change Abraham's language. And he says, no longer shall your name be called Abram. Now get this. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Abram means father of many or high father. Now, I want you to understand that in that day, in the, the way names were given had to do with, um, you know, it, the, the names were given as, not names like we think of, but as a, as designations or anticipations. We, we've actually done it in our country, where we use names that now you would never even think of. Like, we might call someone, well, their last name, Carpenter. Now, if, you know where that came from, right? Somebody, Jim, you know, or John, or whatever John's name was, John was a carpenter. And so they said, John Carpenter. So you identified because there's another John in town, and he was John Smith. And he was the, he was the, the blacksmith. He did, the, see, and that's how names, so when you call them that, at least at first, and it wasn't generational, you were calling a designation. Now, now over generations, you know, John Carpenter is a mechanic, you know, or he's an engineer, right? So we don't change his last name to John Engineer. Are you with me on that? So that's how that, the, the name. so when they call them by name, like Abraham, who was father of many, they weren't saying it like a name like we say. They would be going, hi, father of many. What's your, who are you? Father of many. Now, that must have been embarrassing for a man who had no kids. Right? He, 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 you're. What, who are you? Father of many. And he must have wondered, why did my parents name me that? Father of many. I don't have... I'm not a father, you know. That was maybe their anticipation. Maybe they had a lot of kids, and they're they're gonna have, you know. They were looking forward to to Emma. or maybe they didn't have that many, but they had a son that they're gonna they're gonna have. He's gonna be the father of many. Maybe God placed it upon their heart. But here he is, the father of many. And so every time he sees someone, who are you, father of many? Then God says, I'm you're no longer going to be Abraham high Father or father of many you're abram you're going to be Abraham, father of many nations god's taken up a notch, and if you thought it was embarrassing for Abraham before to say i'm father of many," well, now he has to go around and listen to what he's saying when people are You know, who are you? I'm the father of many nations. Oh, where are they? Well, they're coming. How old are you? I'm almost 100. You're delusional, buddy. You have no clue what's going on. This guy is delusional. Sometimes when you live by faith, people do not understand that people uh, unbelievers cannot comprehend the faith of a believer that uh, that attaches their you know their words to God's word and proclaims it as it really needs to be we are given this incredible gift from God that has power and every time Abraham said I'm the father of many nations. It might have started off where he just kind of went, I'm Abraham. I'm father of many nations. Who are you? Father of many nations. But as the words go out, as the words that are attached to the faith in God's word go out, and someone continually pronounces in agreement with God's word what God's word says, faith rises up. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the word rhema. It's the the concept of the spoken word. It's not just the logos of the word. It's the rhema of the word. That as you speak the word, faith grows. And the more you speak the word, the promises of God, the more your faith grows. So he might have started off saying, okay, God had given me this. God has changed my name. I'm supposed to say from now on, I'm the father of many nations. So as I attach my words with God's word, and I start to say, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. At first it might, be, it might be doubtful. But as I continue to say, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. Faith rises up. And pretty soon, who are you? I'm the father of many nations. Do you know how old you are? Do you know... You know what an impossibility that is? I'm the father of many nations. Because faith has been attached to God's word, and now that faith is growing in that person. And miracles happen when people's words are aligned with God's will. When your words are aligned with the promises of God, then miracles take place in our lives. And I have seen this over so many times. Let me tell you, I know God does miracles sometimes in the life of faithless people. But it never compares to how many people get miracles from God when they're faith-filled. Faith-filled people see miracles. So many miracles come simply before. I remember our daughter, Nicole, years ago. She was, I don't know, I think she was about 11 years old. Carol can help with it. Um, and, uh, and we had taken her to the, the doctor because it seemed like she was squinting all the time. So we took her to, um, to get her eyes checked. And uh, the doctor said she had, had problems, you know, in her eyes. And, and she needed to be, um, you know, checked out. And so, took, took her to the optometrist and, and they said, yeah, she definitely needs glasses. Now, she's a little girl. She's seven? Okay, Carol's clar- clarifying it for me. She has a better memory on those things. Um, so, she was seven years old. And I remember this part clearly. She, um, she put on those glasses. She went to school and she got a little bit teased and she did not want to wear glasses. That was there, you know. And she, she said she was praying and believing that God was going to heal her eyes. And so she, you know, she, she wants to believe that and she's, conver- she's saying it. She's saying, God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me. Then, she says, God healed me. I don't need the glasses anymore. And we're going, yeah. Yeah, sweetheart, I know it's hard. But, you know, you got you, you to have your glasses. You got to see. And, and we were convinced that she was telling us that because she was getting teased. Finally... She was complaining about headaches from her glasses, and she could see, and it was so much. She kept it up and kept it up. She said, okay. We took her back to, um, to, to the optimolo- uh, op- optometrist, and, uh, and, and she sa- and said, she says she's healed. And the optometrist said, he got upset. He said, sweetheart, your eyes aren't sick. ...that they need healing. And, you know, he he said, you still need glasses. Well, she kept it up. I'm healed, I'm healed. So finally, we took her to the ophthalmologist. And we didn't say anything. Just wanted her checked out. And he checked her out. And he said to us, he turned to us and he said... ...after checking out, he says, why does she wear glasses? And Nicole went, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) And to this day, she has perfect eyesight. So, say, what was that about? She attached her faith and her words to God's word. You see? And God did a miracle. Now, miracles take place... The Bible says this, if we pray anything according to his will, we know he hears us and we have the petition we ask of God. So, when you make that attachment, and then you make in that attachment the confession that goes along with it, God does supernatural things. He does supernatural things. We've seen that happen in our life. I can give you story after story. Carol's fibromyalgia, right? She was, I call it carol's fibromyalgia. Not now, not now. But at the, at the time, when she was sick, she was sick for 10 years. We prayed and prayed and prayed. And we, and, and we started making confessions. God's going to heal you. You're going to be healed. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Confessing, attaching, right? Attaching our faith to a terrible, a terrible disease. Painful, remember so many times Carol just getting out of faith, getting out of bed by faith, just because of the pain that went along with that, and uh, she was sitting in church, where is it about here somewhere, and uh, we had a guest from India, and he called out that disease, and uh, this was how many years ago, Carol, will you help me? Fourteen years, fifteen, about fourteen years ago, and uh, she was sitting right about there. I think it is. It went across back then, and um, and he called it out. She stood up. She was instantly healed from pain every almost every day. The kind of pain that makes it hard to get out of bed, hard to work, hard to use. Joint pain, gone, never to return confession went along with God's word. I'm telling you, you can tell stories like that all day long where God does these miracles in people's lives simply because God is faithful to his word. And he tells us, see, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe. And he tells us if you'll say to the mountain, you know, be as we talked last week, be removed and cast into the deep, and shall not down, it will happen. So you're, you're operating in faith using, using not just cl- you know, name it, claim it. We're going to get more detail here in a second. But. So he says to Abraham, to Abram, he says, but your name shall be Abraham, father of many nations, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now I want you to notice, he says, I have made you a father of many nations. He doesn't have any kid yet. Right? But I have made you. He puts it in past tense. It's already done. See, because in the heart and mind of God, it's already accomplished. You know, they're already healed, or they've already had breakthrough, or they already, they're, they're already saved. Not, not that they're, they, they have actually come through the process of salvation yet, but in the heart and mind of God, he's answered that. And that, heart, that person is on their way to, to salvation as we're proclaiming the word of God and we're saying what God has said and the promises of God. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make I, I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. So, so after now listen, Abraham gets this promise from God. He's saying to everyone, I'm the I'm the father of many nations, and he still doesn't have any kids yet. Right? So He's proclaiming what hasn't happened yet, in anticipation that it's going to happen because God has given it to him. How do you speak? I think, I think, church, we need to start speaking, not like not 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 like people of the world. We need to start speaking like people of faith. We need to be start. We need to start our. Our words need to be in alignment to who we are as Christians. And God calls us that, right? We're we're children of the living God. We have been been given a designation as well. We have a name, a new name that's been given to us. And in, in Christ, we should, why do we talk so much like the world? A lot of times people come to church, we talk, Like people, you know, like Christians. And then we go to work and we talk completely different. Or we get home and we talk completely different. Why do we change our language? Why isn't our language in alignment with God's word? Why isn't it in alignment with who we are? Why do we always go to the negative? Why do we always go to unbelief? And we we live in this state of always anticipating the worst, which is faith. That's what worry is. Is faith in the plans of the enemy. A lot of our worries are just faith in what the devil can do. Not with what God can do. And we keep proclaiming it. And we keep accepting it. Instead of proclaiming what God has said for us to do and be. Now, what we're not talking about is denial. Abraham was not going around saying, you know... I have tons of kids already. It's not denial. Sometimes uh, an inaccurate view of this proclamation of faith is is this idea of denial. Like if someone's sick, oftentimes the false view is they'll go, well, I'm just denying the lying symptoms. I'm not really sick. Those are just symptoms from the devil, and they're not really coming from God, but I mean, it's, you know, it's not really, what's real, hap- real happened is I'm not really sick. Well then stop throwing up, <laughs> right? And, and it's really unbiblical. Paul actually talks about Epaphroditus' his friend who he says was sick near to death. He didn't deny he, that he was sick. He didn't say uh, Epaphroditus has the lying symptoms of sickness that almost killed him. He was sick. It, and, and faith is not denying the reality, it's, but it's submitting to a higher reality. You see? And, and it's proclaiming the promises of God. And so, take a look at Romans chapter 4, and we're going we're to gonna kind of close with this. And I'm, I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version. And uh, I'm going to mention this. We are in a transitional process over the next year or two, probably about a year, that we're going to, as a church, change uh, to the English Standard Version. Um, And and the reason for that is simply over over the years, uh, translations... Um, even though if the translation was extremely accurate in its original, our language changes. So it would be extreme, like, for instance, the old King James Version that sounds like Shakespeare, and if you, you know, you almost have to be able to translate into our language because even though it was English, you know, in the 1600s, it's not the same English. Words have changed, and those words don't mean the same. So we, we, it's not that the translation was bad. It was excellent for that time. Our language has changed. So we moved to the New King James Version. And the reason we did that years ago, I mean, actually, when I, when I started pastoring, I, I was using, I've been using this translation for, well, 40 years, I think, somewhere around there, close to that. Um, and the reason I took that is because the translators of the King James Version were pretty, were very, very good, very good. There have been some new manuscripts found, older manuscripts, and there's been some changes along the line. But one of the reasons we didn't, haven't moved into other translations, and this is just for, um, listen, most all the translations are good in general. I mean, they're, they're, the the average reader is going to get very close to, you know, original Hebrew and Greek, and so forth. But um, what has what happens is that every translation has to have at least a twenty percent change for it to be copyrighted and for them to be able to get funds you know, if they, they want to sell it, 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 if it's not at least 20% change, they're not going to get any royalties for it. So they have to change a good percentage of the translation in order to get royalties. But what if the words that are being used are to, are really accurate, they're the best words, but you have to change at least 20%, you probably are starting to change words that aren't the best words. And that's what happens, especially as you get this translation and this translation, and then this one after that one. And pretty soon, they're having to try to navigate using words that are a little bit different because if you don't have at least 20% difference, you can't copyright it and get royalties for, the, for it. And it's expensive to do a new translation. So... This is why we have been slow in transition. And the, the, the ESV uses the New King James and makes transitions from that, which keeps it, in my opinion, closer to, um, to the original as, uh, as we can. So I think it's a better translation that we will use over and change over a period of time. I'm just announcing it for the first time. But but you can start looking down the road and look for deals on the ESV translation if you want hard copies of it, right? I don't know why I went all on that. But the translation, there's just a few words that changes here that I think are a little bit better. And that's why I'm using it in this verse right here. Romans chapter 4, verse 17 says, As is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of of the God in whom he believed. Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that that do not exist. See, call, God calls those things that aren't as though they are. That's what he does. And God says things that haven't, they haven't materialized yet. And he says, and he calls them like he did with, with Abraham. You're the father of many nations, he hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't materialized. God calls those things that aren't as though they are. He calls into existence things that haven't been done yet. You can count on God doing that. He does that. When we align ourselves with the Word of God, then we're going to be doing the same thing. We're going to be calling things out of the promise that hasn't happened yet. And we start saying it out of faith. And we say, this is what's happening. This is what God is doing. This is what I'm counting on. Yes, they are going to be saved. I'm praying for them. God's saving them. They're going to come to Christ. They're going to give their life to Jesus. They're going to be great men and women of God. Those are the people, you know, my kids, my, my parents, my relatives, my workmates. God is doing, I'm praying for them to be saved. And that's the will of God that they are. And I'm calling it out in Jesus' name this mountain is going to be removed in Jesus name and so we align ourselves with God and and l- listen to what he says this in hope talking about abram in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations in hope he believed against hope see that he should become the father of many nations. As he has been told, so shall your offspring be. And he and did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. Now this is the translation change that I wanted to, to make sure you got, got right. Because in the Old King James or the new King, the new King James, it says he considered not his own body. I don't believe that's an accurate translation. And this one is accurate. He did. It says, he says, he believed in hope, became the, the father, so, so his offspring should be. And then it says, he, he, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. What did he do? God says, I'm be the father of many nations. And he looked at himself and went, you know. He went over to the stream. And he didn't deny he was past the age of having children. He wasn't in denial. See? God is not saying that you have to be in denial. You have a promise of God's healing. God is not saying, don't go around saying... I'm sick, I don't have to deny what's there, but you have, you, you have a confession that's greater. So you can choose to, to focus on the negative, I'm sick, or you can choose on focusing on the promise, I'm being healed, in Jesus' name. You see? You can focus on the negative, my marriage is falling apart, Or you can focus on the promise, God is restoring my marriage. God is healing. God is delivering. You see, you make a choice on on the focus of your life. And if you if you speak negative, your life is gonna be negative. And if you speak doubt and unbelief, you're just gonna add to it. So you it's it's an it's not a, I'm not denying the reality of the moment. I'm just not gonna live giving, I'm not gonna give voice to any of my doubts and unbelief. Why should I do that? I wanna give voice to God's promises, to God's word. I mean, just in the natural world, you don't even have to be in the, you know, we're not even talking about Christianity, just in the natural world, the, I should say the unbelieving world, the the world that you and I live in live in in our workplaces and schools and neighborhoods the people who tend to do best are the positive people just just it basically negative people don't tend to do well at least they don't do well relationally oftentimes even in the in the in the workplace or you know in the business world a lot of <laughs> A lot of your business people that are very successful are very positive people, even sometimes to annoying, positive. You know And yet, culturally, culturally, it's kind of cool to be negative about everything. There's kind of a coolness in there? We, we live in that, will you? Know? F- find something yeah, find something negative. And if you do it, you've got a whole group of people join into your negativity, right? And uh, and so, but people of faith, we can't live there. We're we we're we're, we're we're described to live in life more abundant. We're described to to, to live in faith. It says. He considered, not, he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Did he have doubts? Everyone. But unbelief is a different story. Doubts and unbelief are two different things. You'll have doubts across your mind. Unbelief is when you settle your faith on it. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. See what's happening? There's a progression of strength happening as he's saying, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father. What's happening? There's a progression of faith going on. He's growing in faith in all of this. Fully convinced that God, he says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And that's a whole different study in how he entered in in, in the story of Abraham's righteousness which is our story. He was saved by faith just like we are in Christ. But folks, listen, we can't live like we're not Christians. We can't speak like we're not Christians. We 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 war differently. We fight differently. We are different. We don't fight with the same weapons as unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 10.35 says, For for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. The pulling down of strongholds, the casting down on arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. In the, into captivity with the obedience of Christ. We bring our, our mind and our thoughts in alignment. And some of, some of us have such patterns of negative confessions, negative words. We have built patterns, we've, we've allowed them to grow. And it's not easy to change that, but you can. God has given you the power he gives you the power to change that. You have to determine. You come to, to God. This is what you do. Lord, change ma- my, my voice. Change my thinking. Change my words. Change my anticipation to be in align with your word. God, I confess it in Jesus' name by faith. I will be changed. I think that's the start. I confess I will be a proclaimer of faith. I confess... That my, my words are going to be in alignment with God. I confess that from now on, I am a man or woman of God that will, in fact, speak faith. And I will speak the words of God. And I will not give in to doubt or unbelief. I confess that in Jesus' name. That's a good starting point of just getting that sh- ship turned. In your own mind. So that you become a person who really is a person of faith. How many want that in your own life? Yes. I mean, how could you not want that, right? Well, Father, we come before you grateful that you are true. Your word says, let God be true and everyone else a liar. If we speak contrary to your truth, we're lying. We're not speaking the truth. But we today choose to speak according to your will. I pray, God, that that will happen. And it starts in our first confession, Lord. When we we get saved, the Bible says if you can confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Lord, we confess that. Lord, our first confession, when we are baptized in water as a result of our salvation... We confess, Lord, that we're saved in Jesus' name. We confess that which we don't already see, Lord. We might not see it in action yet, but, Lord, we confess it because it's true, because your word says so. And, Lord, we confess today, Lord, that your word is true and that, Lord, we are being changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. You promised that he that began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We confess that. We believe it, Father. And I ask that you bring it to pass in every single person's life here. If you don't know Jesus and today you're here and you're far from God, I just encourage you just to turn your heart toward the Lord. And right now you can just complete can confess, just whisper these words, Jesus, be my Savior. I accept you. I invite you into my life. I ask you to cleanse my soul and help me to follow you from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're going to close in worship, a couple, and uh, I'm inviting the um, ushers, if you'll come, we're going to give to the Lord and we're going to worship God with our gifts. Father, I pray that as we bring our gifts before you, Lord, you be blessed as we give you the work of our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>